Hello, everybody. My name is Henry Rollins, and you are listening to KUCI Irvine. Hold on to that dial for dear life. The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about the show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. The Heather McCoy Show. Welcome to the Heather McCoy Show. We have another busy Tuesday meet Monday, Tuesday morning later on in the show. We'll have the president of the Banning Ranch Conservancy, Terry Walsh, talking about his group's effort to save Banning Ranch. And then we'll hear from another regular guest with Robert Larson on the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. And we'll be rounding out the hour with my guide to the greatest Olympic moments and not-so-great moments. Just a hint. Awkward Irish male gymnast awesome. CGI moving statue of Winston Churchill in a James Bond short film. Not so awesome. But first, we're going to be talking to, uh, like we do all mornings, with uh, Neil DeMouse from fillthescheme.com. Uh, Welcome to the show, Neil. Morning, Heather. So um, we'll, we'll begin the day like we did yesterday with a poll saying that um, 67% of Atlanta residents uh, polled don't, hated the idea of building a new stadium for the National Football League's Falcons. Uh, for those that don't know, that uh, the Georgia Dome is around 20 years old and was built for football and the 1996 Atlanta games. I think gymnastics was held there. I can't remember. Um, is there any way for people to shame owners not to, into not asking for a new facility so soon? Um, you know, you can't get them down to ask. When we go back, I think I think we've talked about this before. But yeah. uh, ten years ago, I, I when the uh, Orlando Magic were asking for a new arena, only about ten or eleven years after they had built the old one, um, and I asked Rod Fort, who's the sports economist uh, in Michigan, um, you know, what's what's the standard? You know, what's the reasonable shelf life for a sports stadium these days? And his response was, well, I. You know, from the perspective of a sports owner, I don't see what, anything wrong with asking for a new one every year. <laughs> um, you know, you might as well ask. It doesn't hurt. You know, it's a shiny new toy for them, and they're not the ones paying for it mostly. So, uh, you, you know, there's, there's really no way to stop them from asking. I think the way to, you know, stop them from asking is to, is instead of taking them seriously, to sort of laugh and point when they do so. You know, <laughs> yeah. say, we just built you one. What do you, you know? Um, you know, the same way I respond to my nine-year-old when he asks for dessert right when he's finished eating dessert. Um... So, you know, uh, certainly uh, I'm not surprised at this Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll that shows that, uh, you know, two-thirds of um, Atlanta residents oppose giving tax money to, uh, to the Falcons for a new stadium. Um, you know, the problem is that this is sort of the starting point for, uh, for the campaign now, right? The Falcons are going to try and say, oh, well, how can we spin this to say, well, it's, you know, not really tax money or it's tax money, but, you know, think of all the economic benefits and, you know, again, of course, it's not like there's going to be a uh, a vote of Metro Atlanta residents on this anyway. It's just a way of, you know, like we saw in Minnesota, right, with the Vikings. This, they're going to have to figure out a way to spin this so that um, the legislature kind of has, uh, you know, has a way of uh, making it a you know rationale to say, well, you know, we know people said it was against it. We're against spending public money, but really, this is a good deal. So, yeah, what do they want besides a retractable roof? What has changed in twenty years that has to be state of the art? Oh, you know, the the, the Cowboys have this giant uh, uh, scoreboard that runs the length of the stadium now, and you know, there's just so much more with like um, um, restaurants and and you know, sort of 
party areas within the stadium. I mean, you know, I think the Cowboys have really sort of opened a lot of people's eyes to how much people will pay to go to a football game and not watch the game. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, they sold tickets for, what was it, like $200 each to sit outside the Super Bowl and watch it on the TV screen on the outside wall of the stadium. Um, and there's plenty of areas inside the stadium that you can't see the game from, but you're at the game, sort of. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's every time there's a new leap forward in how to sell things to people, then all the other teams are like, well, hey, we want some of that. Um, and, of course, it's not enough money that they would be making from it to be worth spending their own money on a new stadium. Um, but, again, as long as somebody else is putting the bill, then you might as well ask. The Texas Cowboys Stadium, or Tex- yeah, the um, Dallas Cowboys Stadium, it's, it's so big it's got two sets of cheerleaders because they feel like your people sitting way in back can't see the ones on the field. How big of a how big of a footprint does that have? I mean, just oh, man. building no, I, wise. I don't even know. I haven't looked at the at the at the acreage, but it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger in all sports. You know. Yeah. I, mean, I remember um, looking at uh, at uh, baseball stadiums, and you know, some of the newer baseball stadiums in the '90s were like, you know, ten or eleven acres compared to uh, you know, like a Wrigley Field or something like that, which is probably like seven acres, and. Um, I was just looking at because they're talking about building a new soccer stadium in a public park in New York, and um, the soccer stadium they just built in New Jersey is actually 12 acres, um, you know, for soccer, yeah, um, which does not take up a you know a ton of room. So it's it's you know again it's whatever you can get away with, you know, it, and it, it really is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. Really, what teams are looking for when they want these new stadiums isn't so much a better place to watch a game; it's a better place to sell things to people who are at the game. Um, you know, the famous quote by Lontras, the, uh, the um, CEO of the Yankees, you know, we're not building a stadium, we're building a four-star hotel that just happens to have a ball field in the middle of it, um, I think goes for an awful lot of the new construction. Yeah. Um, the, speaking of Major League Soccer, they want to build a park in New York's Flushing Meadows in the Corona Park area for an expansion MLS team. The problem with the soccer stadium that's going to be built is uh, it's currently a public park slash sporting goods. Can the residents rightly point to what happened with the parkland with the New York Yankees if uh, this goes through and at least build where Shea once stood and then build like a massive Disneyland-type parking structure? Or is there enough room for two structures and what currently is not parkland? They're not talking about putting it right next to right next to City Field where Shea was. I think there's actually other plans for, for some sort of development on that site. Um, but um, so th- what they're looking at is, I mean, the, the MLS has a very dicey relationship with the Mets, so I'm not sure the Mets are totally on board with this and would be okay with it, dropping a soccer stadium in their parking lot unless they were the ones um, getting the soccer team. Um, so instead it looks like, you know, they've decided, well, this is a good location. I mean, Queens is, you know, um, full of uh, especially Latin American immigrants would, you know, be a huge draw for, uh, for a soccer team. But, you know, there's no real land over there. So instead they're saying, well, we'll, we'll put it in this, in this park. It's right near where the, uh, the U.S. Open Tennis Center is. Um, so you've basically been having, you know, the tennis center sort of slowly gobbling up more and more public park over the decades. And, you know, the spot where they're putting it, about six acres of it, I think, is taken up by this big reflecting pool that um, is sort of under-maintained. It was first built for the 64 World's Fair. Um, and I don't think that anybody would miss that, but surrounding that are a ton of public soccer fields. So according to you know, the same law that affected the Yankees, 
um, they would have to replace the parkland um, and find a new place to build new soccer fields. But, you know, Lord knows where they're actually going to put that. And you have to worry about, you know, originally the plan for the Yankee Stadium was, well, we'll replace the baseball fields we're getting rid of to build a new stadium. We'll put them way down by the Harlem River across like a footbridge over a highway. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, you have to worry about that. You know, the, the Queens officials have to be very careful to say, okay, fine, you know, if you're really going to replace the, the soccer fields, you have to do it um, in a place that people can get to, and also promptly, you know. It's yeah. just, what, six years before they actually rebuilt the fields in the Bronx. Yeah, do you think MLS uh, has a false equation going there with Latin Americans equals soccer, like baseball did with Latin Americans equals baseball equals Florida? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Florida <laughs> is, is, is clearly disproving that. Um, no, I think there's a, a ton of, I mean, you know, again, just go to those soccer fields that they're looking to get rid of, and there's, you know, a ton of people out there all the time playing soccer, um, you know, and there's definitely a growing soccer fan base in New York, and I think, you know, if not for the whole getting rid of public parkland thing, it's not a bad place to build a soccer stadium. You can get there by highway, you can get there by train easily, you can get there by commuter rail, um, you know, it's, it's pretty a pretty good location. It's just a matter of the fact that you're building on top of something else that's already being used. You know, it's a lot like the arguments about the, the Nets Arena they just built in Brooklyn. A lot of people were saying, oh, they should build it in Coney Island. The Nets Arena is in a perfect place for an arena. It's right on top of a sub- subway hub. You know, it's really close to everything. The problem was that they had to tear down the whole section of a neighborhood in order to build it. So Yeah, yeah. Well, the Arizona Diamondbacks this week proved that there's always new ways to, quote, innovate the stadium game and uh, their ballpark is uh, or the ball club is currently floating a proposal to boost their profits and be taking out some of their externalities of doing business by trying to get their landlord Maricopa County to sell to the city of Phoenix. Uh, what will this change of ownership of the ballpark mean to the team in the county of Maricopa? And are they going to is the um, Maricopa County going to get a fair price for what is now Chase Field? Yeah, I, I, I don't know how far this is going to go, and I don't think anybody knows what the details of this would be if it happens, but basically what happened was, you know, the Diamondbacks got their stadium in 98, right, for, yeah. essentially for free, you know, it was almost entirely paid for by the county, and, um, but they have to pay some rent, you know, and, uh, and maintenance costs, about $4 million a year, not a tremendous amount of money, but, um, you know, $4 million is $4 million, so they're like, well, you know, it would be really great if, you know, we could get out of this lease by having the county sell, sell to the city. Um, and, you know, again, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's, what the, the details of it would be. And yeah. I don't know what the city would charge in rent. Um, but clearly they think that they would be able to renegotiate a better lease with the city than the one they have with the county. Um, and, you know, again, this is just the sort of thing that you see when uh, a team gets, you know, 10, 12, 14 years into a new stadium. They usually can't. Unless you're the Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> Ask for a new um, one. Yeah, you, you usually can't get away with uh, demanding that they tear down the old place and build a whole new one. Um, but you can say, oh, give us a better lease. Oh, give us some money for upgrades. Oh, give us this and give us that. Um, and, again, it's, just, it's the sort of thing you have to be careful when signing these deals in the first place. You may sign a 30-year lease agreement, but that doesn't really mean that your costs are completely gone for 30 years. Yeah, part of the possibility of the deal is the Diamondbacks cutting back the seats of what is now currently a 48,000-seat building 
Um, the team doesn't like the average ticket prices. It's just fifteen seventy four. When I saw this, what I don't understand is if I'm a Phoenix resident, if I'm paying fifteen seventy four on average for five hours, up what it could be up to five hours for air conditioning, and the baseball seems like extra. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I, maybe maybe they could get, just get rid of the baseball team. I don't know if anyone really noticed. <laughs> I don't know. For, for, uh, for going, especially especially the way things are going in the Southwest. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty warm out there. Um, let's see. I guess the last question I have for you is, um, I read on your comment section that you were co- basically called the man who would find a way to put a negative spin on the second coming of Jesus to giving a chance. How does that feel? <laughs> <laughs> If, if, I guess if, uh, if Jesus were demanding public funding, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, 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 I've gotten caught up in the middle of this whole fight over this arena in Seattle, and I'm really trying to be <laughs> even-handed about it and to say, okay, here are some of the you know qualms about the deal, and here are some of the things that look promising. Um, and, you know, the city council and the county both came back with a bunch of you know, they're, they're not rejecting the deal. They're just saying, okay, here are some issues that we're raising that we're worried are going to be a risk for taxpayers, you know? Yeah. We, want, we don't want to give you all the tax, kick back all the tax money to the guy who's building the arena. We want a share of it in case we have to pay for traffic improvements or whatever. Um, we want to make sure that there's some plan for what's going to happen to the old arena and we're not just going to get stuck with this white elephant. I think they're perfectly reasonable demands. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, it seems like every time I say anything that, you know, the, the, this new arena plan isn't the best thing since sliced bread, you know, the people who, who uh, are for the arena get a little touchy and are like, oh, you know, how come he's looking a gift horse in the mouth? It's like, well, you know, you want to make sure that the gift is actually a gift. It's not something you're going to have to end up paying for. Um, and, you know, the, the Seattle, look, the Seattle arena proposal is one of the best ones that we've seen in a very, very, very long time, and it's worth taking seriously. Does that mean you should just say, oh, okay, you know, this is better than all the other crappy deals out there. Let's take whatever he's offering? No. No. Um, no. And I think there's a lot of promise right now that, you know, the elected officials in Seattle are taking it seriously. It seems like Chris Hansen, who wants to build the arena, is, you know, taking it seriously and not throwing a hissy fit and saying, oh, if you don't like my deal, then I'm walking. You know, he's willing to negotiate. So I think they actually might get a deal done there that would work for both sides, which would be amazing because, um, you know, it, as we discussed before, one of the problems with stadiums and arenas is they cost so much that it's usually hard to find enough new revenue in them to make it worth for both, work for both sides. Usually one side or the other gets screwed. Yeah. One last question. Is Chris Hansen setting false deadlines for this deal, or has he not played that game yet? Uh, he was doing a little bit and saying, oh, you know, something needed to happen in August. But um, it's, you know, if, if uh, it seems like he's willing to work on this stuff, um, you know, to, to negotiate as fast as possible. And, you know, he's, he hasn't been out there banging the drum of, got to get it done soon, got to get it done soon, or else, we're, you know, I'm, I'm bailing. Um, again, to his credit, um, you know, we'll see what happens. The, the, the tough negotiation starts now. You know, there's some tough uh, points in the agreement that have to get hammered out. And, you know, I think this is the point at which we see whether he is, you know, willing to haggle or is, you know, going to do what so many other team owners do, which is, you know, uh, say my way or the highway. I've been joined by Neil Mouse, whose work can be found online at fieldofschemes.com. And after the break, we'll be talking with Terry Walsh, president of the Banning Ranch Conservancy. Thank you for being on the show again, Neil. Great to be here as always. This is The Heather McCoy Show. <laughs> 